Welcome to the BAM Biz Talk podcast, hosted by BAM Biz Hub, also known as the B Squared Hub Accelerator Program. We are a 501c3 nonprofit providing ideation, commercialization methodology, and mentorship to startups, early stage, and growth-driven businesses in the Permian Basin and beyond. The B-Square Hub Accelerator Program is 100% online with access to the BAM team for curriculum questions, resources, and mentorship as we are the only accelerator in the Permian Basin where face-to-face mentorship is available right here at home. We have over 900 enrollments in the B-Square Hub Accelerator Program and are constantly seeking to add more courses and resources to create opportunities for you. Our team, board of directors and mentors are vast and experienced in an array of disciplines culminating in a well-rounded group of resources for our startups and businesses preparing to either enter the market or accelerate their growth. To find out more about us, go to bambizhub.com or call to set up a free consultation at 1-833-BAM-IDEA or 432-247-8840. That's 247-8840. Contact us for podcast sponsorship opportunities. Bam! Here we are again in the Bam House with the Bam Biz Talk podcast. Today we have a very special guest, a resource partner uh, who serves many of our clients, Kayla Sprayberry with Hub Funding Solutions. How are you doing today, Kayla? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you on. Also here with my buddy, Michael Crane. How are you doing today, Michael? Man, I'm alive and well. Man, that's a beautiful day. It really is. Love it. Love it. So, Kayla, you, uh, you have a lot going on over there. We'd like to... Oh, yeah. Always staying busy. Well, that's a beautiful thing because uh, our resource partners, we like to keep them busy because <laughs> we like to stay busy. So, you know, it's, it's a working synergy there that we like to cultivate. And, Agreed. Uh, absolutely. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Kayla, you know, a little bit about your background and how you got to be where you're at right now. Uh, I'm actually a small town West Texas girl. I'm originally from the big town of Tahoka, um, all 3000 people. So, yeah, um, I grew up in a farming community and started there and then I've lived in Lubbock for about 20 years now and um, it's only 30 miles away but uh, it's where we live now I have a husband and two boys they're 20 and 12 so I'm I'm actually uh, changing a lot in life right now so it's it's been great I, I really love uh, I really love being here and where I'm at in life that's fantastic yeah from a from a small town to the big city huh <laughs> if Lubbock is big you know you can get across it in like 15 minutes but better than Dallas. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we know that one. That, that's, that never ends. So, uh, Kayla, so you're, you're in the financial industry, hub funding solutions. Yes. So how did you come to this? Where, how do you, how do you end up doing that? what did you do before? So before I actually started out as a teacher, um, I was going to teach and a student taught at a small school. And then I went to friendship to, do some long-term subbing, and I realized that I could not hack it as a high school teacher. Um, you don't need to to want to choke the choke the kids. I just <laughs> I couldn't take it. I have so much respect for teachers because I literally I couldn't handle it. Um, so then I went into real estate. Real estate's good. I love that I was very successful. But then about ten years ago, we had the opportunity to. Um, buy a portfolio of uh, equipment finance assets. So equipment loans and leases, and it was supposed to be mailbox money. And it turned out to be a lot more 
um, long story short, I really loved it. So being able to help put things together to teach, to educate, and then to do just like a realtor does, right? We go in, somebody says, this is what I want, or this is what I need. And being able to put that together, I, I just love it. So I was a, I was a lender uh, direct for a while. And then, um, I don't know if you knew this, I actually had a stroke, a mini stroke in 2016. Oh, wow. Um, it left me unable to talk. I had to go to the Mayo Clinic, lost a lot of um, dexterity. It was, it was not a great time. And so I went through that, uh, ended up recovering. And then they said I needed to reduce my stress level. So I left my own company, just kind of let everything age out. And I went and worked for a direct lending company in um, the DFW area. And then I was working for one up in the Northeast. And I, <laughs> I liked the, the business, but I didn't like that it was just a box. Because as a lender, right, as a lender, you have one option, maybe two. And that's it. And you can't, you can't handle everything. You do just equipment or you do just AR finance or you do just working capital. And I had so many people coming to me, especially because I have a background in oil field. I had an oil field service company. And so people were coming to me to help with multiple financial problems that in my, in the direct lending space, I couldn't do. So I ended up saying, Hey, honey, I want to, I want to do this again, but I want to do it as a broker. And he was very, very, very supportive. My husband is awesome. And we started Hub Funding Solutions um, back in 2017, 2018, and uh, started down that road as a, as a broker. And I love it. I, I like it better than direct lending. It's, but there's definitely some reasons behind that. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's an amazing story. Um, you know, your progression and how synchronicity really enters to, you know, to move you along and direct you to where you're most uh, happy and, you know, and, and prosperous at, um, especially going through oh, yeah, what you absolutely. went through. Right. Because, I mean, after a stroke, you know, you said 2016 and then you, you, you uh, launched this company the following year. Like, that's amazing. Yeah, I, so I think it would have been like the first half of 20, maybe mid-2018. We had the entity already in 2017. Um, we had it just to hold um, to hold some different things in. And um, when I decided to launch it, I launched it in there. So I think that would be more in 2018. But yeah, I, I wasn't going to let life hold me down. If I could, if I was well enough, I was going to push forward. Oh, we love that. Yeah. You know, I got a couple of questions. I know that uh, you've, you've been really uh, a huge partner to us in a lot of different financial ways. Um, can you give us some background on some of the things that maybe startups, uh, anybody at all in creating maybe a financial toolbox, some of the things that they need to think about? Yeah, yeah. So, well, I mean, I guess we can define what a financial toolbox is. So... A financial toolbox, and this is my opinion, right? This is this is the way that I've put it together and the way that we've taught our clients through the years is that when you're a business owner, you should have a financial toolbox because if you just have a bank account, if you don't have anything else, then you're missing a lot. You're missing a lot of resources. You're missing a lot of opportunities, and you're missing the ability to track your company. Um, I'm all about 
having as little debt as possible, right? So, so don't get me wrong there. I am all about companies using cash to build their business and, and do those things. I don't think you should start out with massive debt. I just don't. But I think you also need to be have, be able to have a financial toolbox to build your business on as you go and support your growth so that your business is funding your business and you're not stripping your personal finances away or shorting yourself personally to build the business. Um, so there's, there's definitely some strategy there for sure. You know, the old saying is, is use somebody else's money and not your own. What do you think about somebody thinking that direction is try to use somebody else's money versus taking it out of their own pocket to make it work? Um, I think it needs to be done strategically. So I know some clients who started out, we can, we can talk about startups first. So as a startup, I believe that you need to work and figure out what you need and invest in your own business first. I don't think that somebody should go get a giant loan and then put themselves in huge debt to start a business. I think if you're going to leverage lending in any capacity, you should do it after you know that your business is going and you feel comfortable. Now you have to qualify anyway, right? right. But you know, going out and just taking out a huge loan against your house, against your vehicle, against your retirement, um, it can be risky. Um, now you can reduce that risk by knowing everything about that business, just like y'all do. That's why I love working with y'all because I send a lot of my people to you that, that come to me and they say, we want to start a business. I'm like, okay, you need to go to BAM. You need to get a business plan. You need to get a pro forma. You need to get education. You need to get resources besides finance so right. that you know, A, your business is feasible. B, you understand how your income is going to work and how all your overhead is going to work. And then C, you've got to have bookkeeping together. You've got to have bank accounts together. You've got to have a plan before you just jump out and do it. Um, and some people have just jumped out and done it and been just fine. But I think, especially with things like higher interest rates, we've got some inflation going on for sure. Right. I mean, overhead is high. So you have to know at the end of the day what your net margin is and is your business, the way you're going to do it, going to work? Or do you need to change something? And you can do it yourself, but working with somebody like y'all, it makes all the difference because you've looked at those odds, you've looked at those variables before you get started. So you're, you're educated, you're ready. And then, you know, you need to have some money there. You've got to have some skin in the game. Um, so yeah. that's, that's kind of my take on the very start of it. You know, we, we get a lot of people in here that, you know, they all have multi-million dollar ideas. They, they're all going to work. Everybody's going to love their product. Um, and when we start digging into it deeper and deeper, they realize that their market's probably very narrow to start with in the first place. That's to actually move away from some of the risk to be very narrow at what they're doing. But, you know, you're right. We, we do a lot of planning and the idea of how we're going to be successful in the market. And I think what we find a lot is startups sometimes just miss the 
uh, the development of what they need for financing and uh, what all that means, uh, the details of that, uh, the credit, the debit ratio. Um, and in fact, a lot of them don't even understand all that. Um, they got a blank sure. face when she start telling them, you know, what's your credit rating? I, I don't know. Um, but can you tell maybe even our clients that are listening today, this, this, how important is all that to be prepared before you even see the banker, the lender, or the investor? Yeah, absolutely. So credit is really important and credit is going to be more important now than it was three years ago. Um, simply because the risk factors there from an economic standpoint. So your credit is really important. And I'm not talking about perfect 800 credit. Our average client has a 650 credit score. Um, they don't have anything on their credit like, um, you know, uh, missed mortgage payments, uh, defaults on vehicles, back child support. Those are all considered red flags. Um, and there's some great people who had some child support issues in the past. There's some great people who um, maybe uh, defaulted on a car. You know, it's, a lot of things happen in 2020, 2021, right? Right. Um, some of those things can be overlooked, but you can't ignore your credit and then think you're going to walk in somewhere and apply and get financing or even be able to get like trade lines, right? Because even suppliers say you're in construction and you need to go get materials, they're going to look at your credit to see if they're going to, you know, let you have 30-day terms on that lumber, on those shingles, on those plumbing supplies. You know, they're going to determine that. Right. So credit is really important, but credit, the way it stands, is not a, an end-all if it's not great because, right. you know what we find a lot? is on credit reports, there are errors. There are old things that didn't fall off. We have a client right now who his credit, um, his name got crossed with another gentleman. And that gentleman out of wow. Dallas has things that, uh, that he's done a terrible job and it's on my client's credit. And it's literally not him. So it's not his, um, it's not his uh, social security number. It's all things that weren't even tied to the social security number that they found this guy's name, stuck it on there, and it's not the same person. So I believe in responsible credit repair. You can't erase um, some of the things that have happened, but you can do things to improve your credit, improve your credit score, um, and build it so that you can overcome maybe some negative past accounts. So it's, it's important to pay attention to it. I love myfico.com. Um, have you all ever heard of myfico.com? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. We, we tell our clients to okay. go there first. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Um, the crazy thing is, is that everybody goes off of Credit Karma and those things that are Vantage and, and the finance industry on the um, business side does not look at Vantage. Vantage is on a 900-point Um track and FICO is an 800. And so people will tell me, yes, I have a 695 credit score. And I said, okay, where are you seeing that credit karma? Okay, we may actually have anywhere between a 630 and a 660 because it's not scored the same. Um, but I, I love my FICO.com. It's been a, a lifesaver. Yeah, absolutely. Love everything you just said, uh, especially in relation to having a plan getting, you know, not just going out and look, I need funding because I have this idea, but 
okay, well, what about your idea? Do you know the ins and outs of it? Do you know your market? Do you know your customers? Do you know your competition? Uh, you know, what's your business model? Business model? What say you? <laughs> you know, so, well, yeah. So develop your business model. Um, you know, because, you know, we, we do business, as you know, we do business plans here. And, you know, somebody just wants me to, hey, uh, write me a business plan. Okay. Uh, what, what's your business? Tell me about it. I need your vision. I need your vision to write you something. I just can't magically write something so you go get a loan and you know nothing about your business right so right. You, there has to be a a uh, a working knowledge of specifics and details granular to the granular level of you know you how well do you know your business idea how well do you know your how you're positioned you would be positioned in the market in your area uh relative to everything else that surrounds you and then now are you comfortable with pulling out a multi-million dollar loan? So something that a lot of people don't know is that um, everybody's heard of Dun & Bradstreet, right? Always. Yes. So Dun & Bradstreet has your business credit report. A lot of banks tend to use Dun & Bradstreet. Well, the new kid on the block in the past decade or so, maybe a little longer than that, is Paydex and Paynet. So Paydex and Paynet... Um, are actually independent. PayNet is actually a part of Equifax now. Oh. They were bought by Equifax a few years ago. Yeah. And you can't change that. You can change Dun & Bradstreet. You can't change PayNet or Paydex. So if you take off and you're using your EIN to get supplies or whatever, and you don't make those payments on time, it's not affecting your personal credit. It could, right? But if you've got it on your business, it's affecting your business credit score. Um, I have some great clients that make a lot of money and run a great operation, but their PayNet and Paydex is horrible because they were always late and they didn't even know it existed. So they have this credit score that they can't change. Wow. Because from the beginning, they weren't handling their business. They thought they were just going to you know, start, and that's all right. You got to start somewhere, but you got to be aware that these things are there and it what determines the future of your business. If you don't want to grow, if you want to stay one man show, if you just want to be a sole proprietor, if you just want to just do a little bit, that's all right. But if you ever think you're going to be more than a one man show, you, you got to think ahead. That, that's great information right there. Yeah, because a lot of startups don't realize those two ent other entities even exist, and that's right. true. Right. So, um, you know, when they get into the long-term... Yeah, long -term you can't even see your scores. Yeah. Oh. You get into the long-term, you yeah. better be having your credit. Um, well, you got to have good credit, and uh, that's what's going to stop yeah. you from growing. You and know, that comes <clears throat> down to paying your bills, which comes down to managing cash flow. you got to understand your overhead. Yeah, uh, you have to know where your cash flow is. You know what's what's uh, what's going out every month and what's coming yeah. in. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what? A lot of people, I've noticed that on the last couple that I've gotten in, that people sent me a pro forma, they didn't have insurance in there. And I'm not talking about like um, specialty insurance. They didn't have GL in there. They didn't have vehicle insurance. They didn't have um, uh, liability, I'm sorry, what I'm trying to say, property insurance, they didn't have any of that in there. And I was like, wait, wait, wait. Insurance for that industry could be tens of thousands of dollars. And so they're like, well, it's not a big deal. I was like, yeah, it is a big deal because 
you can't control insurance. Baking up your insurance requirements and not being flat, and then your budget won't support it. So insurance people are good, especially independent insurance agents. They can be a lifesaver. Absolutely. What are some of the things that you think that might be best that startups at least begin to think about um, for financial help um, to enable them with some financial needs? And in fact, not only sustain, but maybe even grow. We've talked about uh, credit. That is always going to be important. In fact, I just talked to a banker the other day and says debt to ratio is really important anymore. But um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different tools out there. I don't think even uh, people who are in business realize it's available. So what do you, what do you, yeah, because everybody's on some just used to go into the bank. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So traditional banking is always going to be there. You need traditional banking. Um, it's, it's a good thing. So the world that I live in, um, that's, it's been around for, you know, hundreds of years, but in its modern form, it's been around since about the early eighties. It's, um, the asset based or alternative lending area. That is the area that is between, standard banking and private money, you know, like friends and family and, you know, private money. Right. So there's a vast, vast network of everything from private companies, privately owned companies to um, banks that have their own financing arms that lend to this sector. It's generally people that are newer in business. Anything from pre-revenue is there, but um, you know, just started plus an age, generally up to about five to 10 years old. It's a great time in business. And then people that have, you know, 550 to 700 credit. Like I said before, our average client has a 650. So this whole area supports a large majority of the businesses. And and there's a few different um, finance programs that go into this. And I've sent y'all that chart before. So there's things to help with everything from cash flow to payroll to growth to equipment finance. There's quite a few. And that can, there is, there is. And it can really, you know, we do equipment finance. Equipment finance is our number one thing. And it can be everything from a coffee machine to, you know, D10 dozer and it could be crypto mining equipment. It can be um, it can be trailers. It can be trucks. It can be anything that is equipment and has a serial number or a VIN number. It's equipment, and you can actually finance it according to what the equipment is, how you're going to use it, how long you're going to keep it, what your budget is, and you can do a loan. You can do a lease. You can do a track lease. There's there's so many options on equipment. And equipment finance can help you be able to, say you want to get a loan with your bank or a line of credit to support your business, to grow the business. Great. Then you need to get equipment. Well, most banks don't want equipment. They just don't. They don't want to have it on their books. It's a pain. So we work with a lot of people and finance their equipment under us and they still work with their bank or whoever they're working with and we finance their equipment. Most of our terms are about five years. Cranes get up to 10 years, but it's a really good way to get a normal payment, monthly payment for your equipment and it works for that usage. 
You know, um, that that's great information, Kayla. And something else that comes along when somebody comes in for equipment, oftentimes, nine out of 10 times, they're also looking for working capital, you know, and, right. and you know, going to a traditional bank, they don't like those words. You know, they don't like to lend working they, capital. They don't like to lend out cash for, for what? <laughs> right. Right. Okay. So here's the thing with working capital. Working capital can come in two forms in the asset-based industry. Um, there's some unsecured working capital, and I'm not talking about MCAs. We don't do MCAs. MCAs can get up to like 300% interest. It's a daily, it's a daily thing. It doesn't work for most businesses and it will drain them. So don't go online and look at MCAs. Um, we do have some short term working capital options. Most of them are up to about 18 months. It's a monthly payment, um, but it's unsecured. So it won't conflict with the bank loan you already have or, or whatever you're doing there. Um, it's a great product line for businesses that need some either standard growth money or more times say they're launching a new part of their business. They're getting ready for the holiday rush. They know that, um, so the say they got equipment, right? They, they're getting this piece of equipment. They've got to outfit it. They've got to get supplies. They've got to hire people and then they've got to be ready for payroll. Well, we do a lot of working capital with that so that someone can launch that equipment out into the marketplace and not have to take money out of their savings just to launch that piece. So I like to do working capital when it has a purpose. So the other type of working capital that is more geared toward growth is definitely either SBA or USDA. So SBA can go up to $5 million. It's fantastic to get a fixed rate uh, for about a 10 year term. So it's great for cash flow. It's great for growth and it's great for things that are not necessarily assets. Um, say you have a business that just needs to grow and they need to hire, they need to get more supplies. They need to get things that a line would probably put on a line of uh, a bank would normally put on a line of credit. But by putting it through an SBA loan, it's really going to foster growth easily. So I love SBA. Um, is it right for everybody? No, but I think that it's really good for businesses that need that type of structure. Let me ask you something on the SBA. I, I hear a lot of good and a lot of bad and, you know, everything else is going on. Uh, just recently, we were told that actually some of the things with the SBA is changing. What that what does that mean? I, I have no idea. Um I'm kind of looking to see if you know anything about the SBA and how they're changing, revolving, and maybe if there's any effects differently being opposed to the startup. I I don't know anything at this time. I know that we had had where they're being more cautious, especially with pre-revenue startups. Right. Um, but I can definitely work on getting some more information for you on that. We work with SBA preferred lenders. Good. So they already have the power to do that. We're not having to wait through a bank where it's more subject to SBA, but um, it really surprises me that our SBA preferred lenders, SBA is backing the loan, right? Right. But the SBA preferred lender gets to put their rules in place. They get to choose what they want to support. And there's a, there's really a lot of opportunities with the SBA too. Um, 
like you mentioned, you know, you're fixed for a period of time. Uh, you don't have to be reevaluated per se as you would with a commercial loan. Uh, I think they're doing mm-hmm. that now. At, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, they're doing that, I think, every five years. Does that sound right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Um, yeah, and I mean, with the state of the economy, I think they, I think they have to evaluate things to make sure that it's going in the right direction. Right, that's how we we've, we've actually believed it was to to happen as well. Um, you know, what are some of the other financial a- opportunities? Would you say for a startup, or uh, if if anything, maybe even a growth driven business where uh, you know they're looking, as you said earlier, penetrating new markets, adding new equipment, doing certain things maybe to add to their bottom line. Um, you know, we mm-hmm. talked about hiring and all those good things and uh, what the expansion actually has to do, but. Um, you know, back to the toolbox idea is what other tools can they possibly grasp onto to maybe support their growth or their vision and, and, and where they want wound up being within the marketplace. Absolutely. So there's a couple really great programs that we have that most people don't even know exist. So we actually have a payroll support program. And that means that if somebody has W2 employees and say, um, Say they've had a short couple weeks or they're going to have a big project coming up something that's going to change their payroll one way or another or they're just short um, it will actually cover their payroll amount for that week and give them up to 90 days to repay it and the interest is a lot smaller and it's very very fast to deploy um, I will be honest they don't work with just everybody but it's great because if you need to support your payroll, people are the most important part of a business Absolutely. all day long. You want to make sure your people get paid. So it's a really awesome program for that, that I want to get out there more uh, because some people will go grab an MCA for that and then it kills them because it, it literally just puts them underwater. But with this payroll program, it gives you time. It's a small company behind it. I love it. It's, it's one of my favorite programs. Um, another one that I think a lot of people don't know about is we have, we have a program that helps people with inventory. So if people need to buy inventory, especially if they are wholesale, say they, um, say they buy mass amounts of parts and they need to pay that vendor, there's inventory finance that can help them have up to 60 to 90 days to float that inventory. That way they can pay their supplier and end up getting cash discounts. There's also a great program called uh, project financing where somebody does large commercial projects, the minimum is a million dollar project, but if they're doing large commercial projects, even small businesses can do this, right? They land an awesome contract, and I need to fund this thing. Well, you can do AR finance, right? You can do that, that's great. But project finance allows them to get 20% of the contract value up front to rent equipment, to mobilize people, to hire, to cover greater insurance. Um, That's a great, great program. We're actually putting in place for a client who is a newer business. And so it allows businesses that are smaller to jump further into their field, to expand, to take some risks. 
and uh, it's great to, to see those them. options. Yes. You know, yes. We, we just had a guy in here. In fact, uh, you, you just brought up a, a huge thing for us. I had a, a guy that just moved into uh, the Permian Basin area. Um, he does a lot of different dirt work. Uh, he was able to uh, actually been on a project for a couple different counties. Um, but his problem mm -hmm. was is that he didn't have the money to do the project. But it wasn't that he didn't have the technology, the availability, the everything that goes with it. But however, his his project was, I think, uh, one of them was a half a million, and the other one was somewhere around two hundred and fifty thousand. Right. Um, how can so, I, how can a guy like that maybe make it into what he's wanting to do? So, if he's doing a smaller project, most likely that's going to be a series project, especially if it's with the county or municipality. Right. So we can look further at that and see, is this a series or is this a one and done? If it's a one and done, we would probably put it under a different, um, under a different scope. We might do um, some working capital up front and then some AR finance behind it so that he uses as little up front as he absolutely needs on the working capital side and then use that AR billing to support that. Um, if it's a series, of course, that would be great for project finance because he can go ahead and get up and going on it and be able to support it along the way. Well, that is something that nobody really knows for sure. Um, including ourselves. I didn't know you could do all that. Yeah. So, uh, you can, that was great education. You just gave us for sure. Yeah. You know, Kayla, you're on a little row here. So I'm going to pose you with a brain challenge right here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So say, uh, you know, someone walks in our door and they want to start a, an oil and gas service, you know, they're an oil and gas service company. Um, okay. Can you talk about what that looks like for their financial resources? How could they use, what kind of toolbox would you put together for? What would, what would be in their best interest? Okay. Let's talk about, let's talk about an oil field service company in this scope. Say they've been doing it a little while um, and they're ready to grow, right? Say, um, say they are a hotshot company. Perfect. All right. They've been hotshotting. They want to grow it. They know it's there. Um, so this is the toolbox that I would make for, for them. I'd say, okay, great. Let's get you some equipment, uh, finance pre-qualified. That way, when they're ready, we have the ability, but we would definitely have that so that they're not going and buying equipment cash. Yes. Your starter equipment that you start with, you probably don't want to necessarily finance. We can but it's great to have your own stuff. We would do equipment for Nance for the equipment that they're going to need. The second thing that we would get together is an AR line. AR is the biggest value that oil field service companies have. I mean, it's, it's their biggest asset, and I think they just don't realize it because you can leverage your AR to create cash flow so you don't have to go have loans. And we can talk about this again another time, but AR finance is not debt. It allows you to have a line of credit based on the business you're already doing. And so I would likely get a, an AR line crafted. That could be factoring, a ledger line, ABL. Um, there's a whole scope there, but I would definitely get them the right fit for that so that they can manage their own cash flow and never be short. They're not, um, they're not waiting 60 to 90 days to get paid. 
they're getting paid, they're taking care of their bills. Um, I probably also get them access to a great fuel card so that they can manage fuel costs and get some discounts in there to help with cash flow. Um, wow, that's really good. Yeah. Other, other than that, I would definitely load that toolbox with the opportunity to use working capital strategically when they need it. Um, to have access to know what they need to do if they need it. Uh, if they get supplies, we could get PO added onto their AR line. So if they get a PO that includes quite a bit of supplies, um, parts, things like that, that their support to help fund that PO uh, before they have to go ahead and get it out. That will help with cash flow for sure. Um, let's see, besides that, um, if they needed it, we could definitely get the payroll finance in there if they're going to have W-2 employees. And then mm, if they're getting big, the project finance could come along. But oil field service companies, definitely equipment finance, AR finance, and having a plan for working capital, that's, that's the three biggest tools, I think, in the oil field service company's toolbox. Yeah, I, th I think that's, that's a great combination there because as you're talking and you're going through all these, I'm thinking back to when I had my own hotshot company. And education is everything. You know, knowing what you don't know is crucial into what you're doing in the moment. All right, so if I would have known that all, you know, any of this was kind of available, like that was actually something that I could access back then. Um, you may not be here today. I may not be. <laughs> I may be going to you for a loan. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> you know that it's 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 a uh, it's funny how things work out. You yeah. Know? Um, but yeah, I mean, just how not knowing something can change the trajectory of your life. You know, right? And so I, I think that's yeah. interesting to me. You know, another thing I just meant and thought of too is when you mention AR, they don't realize that that is collateral. Uh, that they're able to utilize from every time that they have an invoice. Um, and that's how it's figured out to be factoring. Um, can you maybe just go a little bit more into detail about that? Because we have a lot of folks that don't realize what factoring never, what, what it means. Uh, and maybe even the diversification of factoring. Sure. So factoring is the F word, right? That a lot of people <laughs> yeah. think is a bad word. AR finance, including factoring, is a tool and should be used as a tool, not a crutch. Um, and it doesn't have to be if you get the right fit. That's right. why I'm such a freak about it. I was factored. I got factored under a couple different companies when I had my service company, and I saw the good, the bad, and the really ugly. And um, I learned a lot. I would I, I have to say this I'm I'm weird about factoring because I break it down when most people when they look at uh, factoring or any type of AR finance they're looking at the rate and the term and we're looking at 21 different points so we can make sure that that client knows the ins the outs I mean there's so many things to it and and we'll go uh, we'll go into that another time because it it takes it'll take it way off track um, it gets a little nerdy right but. <laughs> In AR finance, you actually have three major levels. Factoring is the bottom. The reason some companies have to be factored is because factoring is based on the customer, not the client. So let me 
let me differentiate there. The people that we're working with, they are my client. The people that they work with are their customers. So in a factoring underwriting, the lender is looking at the customer's credit. They have this awesome database. They work with a credit insurance company that's global that can look up any customer and they have a credit score. They can see, are they in any defaults? Are they paying their bills? Are they getting sued for not paying? Yeah, there you go. And you don't know this unless you can get that from a company that does AR finance. There is no public database that tells you that XYZ operators pays their bills on time. That's it's true. all an inside, um, inside track. So factoring is at the bottom, right? And it's used mainly in oil and gas simply because they're going with a lot of the strong operators. It offsets, offsets risk. It offsets short time in business. It offsets uh, lower personal credit. So that's why factoring is there. Um, and they're buying that invoice. So there's less risk. The next tier up is called a ledgered line. Um, in a ledgered line, I'm sorry, let me go back. On a factoring line, you get a fee per invoice. Whereas on a ledgered line, it is an APR, an annual percentage rate. Or, you know, it comes down to, you know, 0.67 per month, right? Which creates an APR. A ledgered line is based on the customer, but it's also based on the client. The client, especially in oil and gas, the client has to have stronger credit, stronger time in business, um, books. You have to have good books. I cannot, I cannot stress the importance of having a good bookkeeper. Do not let your bookkeeper pay your bills. Do not let your bookkeeper have control of your checkbook. But have a bookkeeper that their job is to handle your QuickBooks, your bookkeeping. Because if you want a ledger line and an APR, your books have to be clean. How many years of, um, of business would you say would be important for such a, an opportunity? Um, could they get by with a, a year? Or could, did they need two? Or maybe they need five to enable them with this opportunity? With a ledger line, part of that's going to depend on, on their customers too, right? Yeah. I would say a solid year in business to two years can start you on the path to an ABL. Then if, you're, if your credit's stronger, then yeah, it gives you a better, better option. If you're keeping books, if you're doing the responsible things, you're more likely to get a ledger line. There you go, be responsible. Yeah, we've been getting a lot of ledger lines lately and it's been refreshing, right? Um, and some of the clients haven't been as clean on the business credit side but they have a controller, they have a bookkeeper, they have the people in place to where the lender knows that this is a responsible, well-run company so that they don't have as much risk to collect. Because the payments, basically they make them less money, right? Because they're right. not getting, they're on a monthly funds deployed, right? And it might be, I got one the other day for 0.66, and then I got one for 0.45. Mm -hmm. 
percent per month, which is insane when you compare it to one and a half percent that we normally see on factoring. We could get less, but they're not making as much money. Right. So they have to make sure that who they are entrusting that low rate to is going to perform and be responsible. Yeah, that could really hurt you if they're not. Oh, that, yeah. That takes the, uh, take, puts the risk right back into the game. It does. It does. So factoring is the easiest. Ledgered line is great. Ledgered line is generally the highest that I see in oil and gas. Now, I have a couple of midstream people right now that I'm doing ABLs on. Let's talk about ABLs. Yeah. In this case, an ABL would be an asset-based line of credit. That is a line of credit generally with our banks, um, and those banks require personal guarantees on an individual basis, audited or reviewed financials. Um, they require very, I mean, they're audited financials. You can't get any higher than that. Um, they require really strong clients. You can't have a bunch of non-notifications like Diamondback and things like that and be on an ABL. It doesn't work that way. They've got to be diversified. They've got to have, you know, five plus years in business. So everybody wants an ABL, but an ABL is, it's tough to qualify for. Um, simply because there's so many things, benchmarks that have to be um, hit in order to get that. But it's great because a lot of our clients start out in factoring. We get them matured, and then they go to ledgered lines, and then we get them matured where they go to ABLs. So our goal is not to get somebody trapped in factoring forever, and you know they're paying one and a half percent on an invoice or two percent on an invoice. We want them to get where they're spending nine percent per year, right? Which is, saves them so much money. But it's a team effort, and it takes personal responsibility and being open to not just doing your business better, but running the back end of your business better. Yeah, let me ask a question real quick. The ABL, uh, line of credit, um, something else that I don't think a lot of people realize, and I'm not sure that I'm going to say this correctly, but I'll put myself out there. Um, when you use an, a, the, the line of credit, you don't get charged interest until you use the money, correct? Correct. Sometimes on an ABL, there can be a management fee. Yeah. Um, like the one, we just did one for a behavioral health company and we ended up at 0. 0.4, 0. 0.45% per month. It's, it's nothing, right? They're also doing $12 million a month, oh, Wow. but they also have it to where they're having a management fee to go in there and they're getting charged that management fee every month to help manage their entire account wow. on the AR side. So there can be a management fee in there as well. And it just depends on the situation. Okay. Uh, the other thing I wanted to ask about that, that, that managing uh, costs. Is that also relevant to the amount of money that they take? Um, how does that work? Not, not that one. 
So the way that theirs was set up was that they got to pick and choose what they got a, um, an advance on, and they may only get an advance on $3 million, but their management fee was set on their total, um, total billing for the month. That ABL was, it was, um, it was made to where it supported their ability to choose. That's one thing, you know, let's talk about that. And this goes all the way from the top through factory. You don't have to factor or get an advance on every single invoice. You don't even have to do it on every single customer. Most of my clients have enough cash flow. They have customers who pay really fast. And then they have some customers that they would rather get an advance on those for cash flow purposes. Right. And I think that's the big difference is that if you go, like if you're ABC business owner on your hotshot company and you walk into a factoring company, they're going to make it seem like you have to do every single invoice, every single customer, and you don't. So a lot of our clients. There's a lot of confusion about that. I've heard that before. They think every one of those, I get it. Um, And I think our clients are listening. Yes. Yes, you do not. And um, we, because of the way we work, we work with, about 30 different factoring and, and factoring ledger line ABL companies. They're local, they're regional. There's some right there in your backyard, all the way to regional, all the way to national. And because they know that they're working with us and we're helping them, um, on a regular basis, we get to customize those offers to where it makes sense for the customer. It's working with the customer. Say, you know, um, they have three customers that pay great. They don't want to enroll them, but they have five customers that they would like to enroll and get advances on. Right. We get that done. Um, so really what you're shouting yeah. out to everybody right now, it's customizable to the needs of the company. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Please don't hop online. And decide to factor with whoever's on the internet. Please. Because you don't have to. You don't have to. Because most of the time they're not the right fit. It's the difference in buying, and I'm short, I'm five foot two. If I go buy (laughs) jeans off the rack, um, then they're not tailored to me. They're going to be too long. (laughs) Most of the time they're way too long and I have to go get them tailored. Right. Right. Factoring and AR finance is like a well-tailored suit. Ooh. Right. Yeah. And if you get it made right for you, then it perf- it's perfect. It works until you got to get the waist taken in or out. Right. Right. But, um, <laughs> grow some. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just out a little bit. Yeah. But, um, in this case, it's a good, it, growth, good growth. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And the great thing is, is that if you just go, if you go get one off the internet, you're going to be approved for a single amount and you're never going to be able to grow. That you will end up hitting a ceiling. It's the same thing with a bank line of credit. You're going to hit a ceiling. But if you go in and you get your AR financing, whether it's factoring or, or anything else, if you get it customized, then it's going to grow with you. It will move with you. It will grow with you. It will shrink with you because there is a relationship and a plan. 
And that is why so it's, it's defined as a tool. Yes. Yes. You know, these, these, 100%. Are things, these are things that people just don't know. Um, I just wish maybe we could get more people in here to maybe ask those kind of questions so we can get some of that help uh, distributed throughout the Permian. Um, these are great toolboxes, great tools that people are just really missing out on. And, you know, the sad thing is, is they give up their business because they don't realize anything like this is available. Right. Exactly. And they're, they're missing out. On and everybody knows, everybody knows I'm not a fan of private equity in D.C. It has its place. Right. But if I can help a business owner fund themselves and have the right tools and resources, then they can grow and operate on their own terms. Right. Walk in their equity. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Loud and clear. Yeah. Well, one thing that, that is really fascinating to me is uh, some of the processes that they have to go through to make some of this happen. Um, you know, you just gave a great scenario, I think, of a toolbox, financial toolbox for somebody that's um, in the oil uh, industry. But, you know, we get a lot of different people in here from a wide variety of different industries, different walks. Um, let me ask you this. Uh, is is the development to get the toolbox put in place? I know it's got to differentiate itself because of industry, but how much differentiation do they go through? from one industry to another? So there's a few, a few industries that tend to have a similar toolbox and that's anything industrial okay. um, can have a similar toolbox. We, our main business is industrial. It's oil and gas, it's manufacturing, trucking and construction. Um, they tend to have a lot of the same. Now, manufacturing can add in supply chain finance. Um, construction can have the inventory finance. Uh, but it's got, a, it's got a very similar toolbox. When you get off into some of the other areas, like, say, um, the trades, right? Yeah. yeah, plumber. So if it was a plumber, um, I would probably start their toolbox with um, probably access to a working capital line of credit so that they can buy things. If they do a lot of business-to-business uh, -business work, then we might put some AR finance together for them so that they have that option. Um, they may be looking at some project finance in there and equipment finance, like a plumber, right? They have to have right. trucks. They have to have certain pieces of equipment, especially if they're doing more industrial-based sites. Um, so that's definitely definitely pieces that we would be looking into. Uh, that's great. Um, so the question I had before here is you've mentioned, you know, not to go online, not to just jump on the factoring. Uh, and then you had a, um, you, you called it an MCA. Is that correct? Did I get that right? An MCA? You mean yeah. the devil's loan? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> well, could, could, could you... Uh, you know, okay. what is, what does that stand for and why stay Why is it the devil's loan? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> MCAs have a direct and indirect effect. So it'll bite you now and bite you later. So MCA stands for merchant cash advance. They were developed some years ago and they were originally used for merchants that did credit card processing daily. 
like retail restaurants, mm-hmm. um, places like that that did credit card transactions. They would give them loans based on their their daily credit card transactions. Then it moved into oh, let's go into other areas. Merchant cash advance is very 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 expensive. So it went from people who might be doing you know ten to a thousand transactions a day, right? Yeah. Um, they then moved it into the trucking industry. And in the trucking industry, there is a chronic lack of cash flow because of the time that it takes to get paid. But they get paid generally daily, right? So they get charged daily. An MCA, standard MCA, will say, we're going to give you $50,000, but your payment is going to be X amount five days a week. What it does is it draws down cash flow so much when you don't get paid um, multiple times a day. It doesn't work. It literally does. The math does not work. Yeah, you're working for the debt. Mm. Right. And not only are you working for a debt, you become a slave to the debt. Yeah. A lot of times because the industry doesn't support it. Because if you're making money once a day or you're making money weekly, or you're invoicing and you make your money in 30 days, then it can't support it. Right. Literally, from a from a time value of money standpoint, from a budget standpoint, from a revenue standpoint, it doesn't support it. And so that's why so many of them fail. Um, MCAs can be used in specific instances, but most of the time they don't work out unless the revenue model matches the payment model. Yeah, it's kind of... Otherwise, you're just shoveling out cash that you're not getting in. Mm. So, yeah, they're really easy to get. You can hop online, and a lot of people get stuck on them because MCAs will do stacking. So MCA companies will give you a first position, and then they'll give you a second position or if they don't, you can go to another one and they'll give you a second position. And then you can get a third position, fourth position. These companies call me all the time and they say, yeah, we'll go up to eight positions. I'm like, you have a nice day. Wow. I'm, I'm not interested. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And many people don't know this. And I'm, I'm sure y'all are familiar with UCCs, right? The right. UCC right. filing. Yep. That is put on the Secretary of State as a lean position. Yes, MCAs are unsecured, but the standard MCA company will file or has a right to file a UCC lien on your company. And that affects it because when you go to the bank or you go to a lender to me, like me, and we are looking at it, we have equipment lenders who will not give equipment to healthy, thriving companies because they have three MCAs that they're paying on. Oof. And it can just suck the, suck the money right out of the company um, because the, the way you have to pay. It also um, can hinder being able to get a line of credit. If you're factoring and you go get your standard MCA, your factor could have it in their paperwork that that puts you in default. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I didn't know um, that. Yeah. So 
because you can't manage cash flow with a standard MCA. Right. That makes sense. They're they're just I don't like them to use for businesses that make their money once a day, once a week, or in 30 days or whatever. It's got to match. If it doesn't match, it doesn't work. You know, and there's a so, lot of people that will just go ahead and push you into that without telling you all that and being a supporter of what you need to really survive with. So that's good to know. Yeah. Good to know. And, and people online, if a broker online, on LinkedIn, on Facebook, if they're pushing and saying, you can get fast cash, you can get $50,000 today. Yes, you can. They're probably going to make 15% yeah, in commission and what you make. Right. And then it's going to cost more. Now we make commission too, but ours is standardized and it's not at that level. They're not looking out for your benefit. They are looking no. for the quick buck. And that's why I don't like MCA brokers. I'm on I'm in an association. We are not fans of MCA. And that's not what the industry should be modeled around. MCA is its own beast. And I know some good people that are in that space, but I'm not a fan of MCA for the types of clients that I work with. Absolutely. And, you know, just thinking back of what I've seen here over the, you know, the last few years, I, I uh, one incident rings in my head. It was on Facebook and I was in a uh, group for food trucks. Um, you know, I was doing doing research and someone posted on there, uh, get your food truck, uh, you know, finance today up to $25,000, you'll get, you'll get the check tomorrow. Um, you know, and, you know, made this big grand, you know, had a nice image up there. Was it a leprechaun? <laughs> Might as well have been. I mean, the guy was in a nice suit, you know, he had the jewelry blinging, um, you know, just, you know, just showing you like, the, yeah. you know, you can get this easy money, you can get be in business real quick. So I, I went ahead and po posted the question. I was like, what's, what's your, what's your COC? What's your cost of capital? What are your terms? And then when he responded, he's like, yeah. oh, that's that's great to question. Why don't you message me? Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, well, if you don't want to put it out here and what, you know, you're offering this great deal. How about the back end? What's the great deal on the back end? You know, it's not together. And, you know, so I, I just want to kind of say that. So people listening, uh, when they see something like that on Facebook that looks attractive and looks like, oh, yeah, you know, and especially somebody who's really desperate for that. Oh, I've been looking for a food truck. I can't find one. Or just cash in general. Cash in general. Right. But something specific like, well, this is what I want to do. I'm looking to jump into, a, I want to own a food truck or whatever that is, right? I mean, don't go it. Don't don't go down that route. No, I think that's really an important message, too, as we were talking about this, is stay away from online. Um, you're not talking to anybody. You're just giving your information and hope that something happens. Um, I invite anybody that wants to know more about this, come see us, and we'll put you in the right contact. I mean, we've got her right here, right now, in fact, uh, and this is somebody that they need to be talking to, not online. Um, and really what you're getting out of this is you're getting a partnership versus just somebody wanting to take your money and, and, and just, you know, it's not really the right way to go. That's how yeah, I feel. And, and to be honest, Angel, it is very sad because that same broker could have gone and created a network where he could do equipment finance. Yeah. Nobody should be paying for a food truck 
over six months. Most MCAs are like six to eight months max. That should be paid over five years right. on a monthly payment. Right. Especially for a startup you know, when you're working on capital and trying oh, to bring it in. Oh, 100%. Just, yeah. <clears throat> 100%. And, you know, it's um, it's it's why we try to do what we do and and talk with people like you and partner with people like y'all because business owners have people out there that really want to help them to help educate them against the predatory bling blingers <laughs> um, of the world. Yeah, the snake and the devils <laughs> and the F words. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, be aware, right? Educate yourself. Um, and, you know, Kayla, this, this has been great. You are a wealth of knowledge uh, with experience and passion uh, for what you do. Uh, and we appreciate you very much. Extremely. Absolutely. Yeah, your knowledge is uh, so invaluable. Definitely. Absolutely. And I appreciate y'all. Everything that y'all do for business owners in West Texas and beyond, I mean, it's it's wonderful. It's it's something that I think was really needed, and, and I appreciate y'all. Well, you're a great partner, that's for sure. Um, hey, I, I got one final question. Is there anything that you want to tell some of these startups out there, maybe the last uh, hoorah, if you will, is giving them your perspective of, of survival? What does it take to survive? Um, well, really think about, is this going to be what's best for me, what's best for my family, what's best for my future, um, and really gauge it out and have people on board, have your team, get a bookkeeper, get with BAM, um, ask questions. Yes. Um, and easy money is not always the right answer. Yeah, I agree. Easy money doesn't equal for passion, for sure. Stay away from the devil loans. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, awesome, Kayla. We have enjoyed you, and I'm, I know our listeners and our clients are really going to enjoy this podcast and learn a lot from it, uh, as I did sitting here talking with you right now. Yeah, there's no doubt. We got educated today, didn't Absolutely. we? Absolutely. Love it. Love, love being educated. Uh, but I don't think we're done. I think we're going to have another I think We should have you back on another one to really dig in you know, to the A&R and, and factoring and really to dive deep and anything else you would like to talk sure. about, because we would love to have you back. Yes, absolutely. Sure. sure. Absolutely. I'm, I'm always up to have a chat. Fantastic. Yeah. Okay. It's been a pleasure and uh, we will see you on the flip side. Yeah, we will. Contact us for podcast sponsorship opportunities. 